Welcome to the Good Fiction Podcast. Join us as we continue with Darkest Darker Dark, Episode 4. Debbie's mouth filled with spit. It was there right at the top of her stomach. She gagged and grasped the seat of the toilet bowl so hard her knuckles turned white. Her hair dipped into the porcelain toilet bowl as the air filled with the smell of Bacardi. She gurgled as even more vomit came up, just as she thought she might be through, and another wave hit her, and she vomited once more. This time she was able to pull her hair out of the way. She wanted to die. She felt that bad. There were three sharp raps on the bathroom door. Debbie, come on. You okay? We've got to meet Mr. Marshall in an hour. Go away, Nathan, she said. She felt as if she might lose it again. You want me to call him and cancel? Asked Nathan with good intentions. Cancel? How can someone cancel going to pick out coffins for their parents? Asked Debbie. She realized she had been too mean with her comment before she even finished making it. I just thought started Nathan. It's okay, Nathan, she said. I'm sorry. Let me take a quick shower and I'll be ready, okay? Nathan was only slightly hurt and recovered quickly. He was used to that sort of thing with Debbie. It didn't take a horrible situation like the one they were currently experiencing for Debbie's tongue to lash out at him in a hurtful way. He always got his feelings hurt. She always took it back, though and he always got over it. It was just part of her personality to be a little too quick to speak. It was part of his personality to take it, especially with Debbie. There wasn't much she could do to him to change the way he felt about her. They both had feelings toward each other like that. Knowing it was unusual for someone so young to feel so sure about things, they had to brush off the comments about dating other people they have both heard from their parents. That wasn't going to be a problem anymore. Nathan left Debbie to struggle with her hangover in one of the upstairs bathrooms. He made his way down the stairs and found a good spot on the couch. Having not made any decisions about Debbie's parents' house... The previous few days had been like them having the place to themselves, even though it was across the street from his parents. He secretly hoped that maybe a decision would not be made to sell the place for a while. They had the entire house to themselves, and it would be cool to keep it that way for as long as possible. He propped his feet up on the coffee table and locked his fingers behind his head. The red, shoulder-length hair that he had inherited from his mother was neatly combed and slicked back with a little gel. No one should be able to notice the glassy, glazed-over look in his brown eyes. He was wearing the only pair of dockers he owned and a white button-down he borrowed from his dad's closet. The need to be in something other than jeans and a t-shirt seemed appropriate. The problem he had is he didn't have anything else. His pieced-together outfit would have to do for the occasion. There was at least an hour before his mother and father were going to drive them to the funeral home to meet Mr. Marshall. 
Nathan turned on the TV and scanned through the channels as he waited for Debbie to get herself together. It took about 45 minutes, but Debbie eventually made her way down the stairs. She didn't look good. Her face was pale white. It was obvious she was sick. You're still not feeling well, I can tell, he said. Gee, thanks. You look great yourself, she responded. Debbie, come on. You know what I mean. Debbie looked down. I'll never drink the R stuff again. I don't even want to say the word. I'm scared it'll make me puke. Nathan got up off the couch and put his arm around her thin waist. We need to go now, he whispered softly. Her hair smelled of baby shampoo and her body of the sweet-scented soap she always used. Let's go do this, she said boldly, taking deep breaths before and after her statement. She was very fragile. Nathan helped her lock up the house and they walked across the street to his parents' house. His mother and father were ready to go, but sat waiting patiently, letting Debbie take the lead. Nathan's father was slightly overweight, 40-ish, and very conservative looking down to his short haircut and tweed sweater. His mother was equally as portly and a complete joy to be around. Her red hair and flowery dress were often accompanied by a frilly lace apron that had domestic goddess written across the front of it in bold black letters. Debbie had come to look at Nathan's parents as her second parents long before her parents had died. There was this unspoken sort of thing between them that gave them the authority and her the role of a daughter. The legality of it didn't matter. The situation already existed. Thank you for understanding about this, Debbie said. She directed her comment at Nathan's mother, who smiled shyly and dipped her head. Debbie, I just got off the phone with Mr. Marshall, said Nathan's mother, Mrs. Calhoun. I discussed with him the financial arrangements and so forth, so you wouldn't have to worry about that part of this. Did he call here? asked Debbie. No, I called him. Well, returned his call, actually, so I guess he did call here first, if that's what you're asking. Just curious. Also, don't want y'all to think that I'm disrespecting you in any way. I... She was cut off by Nathan's mother. Honey, you don't need to explain anything to us. We love you very, very much. She began to tear up. We're here for you, Debbie. Whatever you need. I know that, said Debbie. Thank you. Well, I guess it's time to get going, said Nathan. He was more interested in breaking the heavy emotional feelings that were falling on his living room like a fog getting thicker by the moment. Yes, the situation was tragic. Yes, it was sad. But more and more, Nathan was starting to see his role develop into keeping everyone calm. They rode in the back seat of his father's tan Cadillac, and he held Debbie's hand as his parents struggled to talk about anything but what their purpose was. She squeezed his hand hard as they stopped at a red light within sight of McDormand Brothers' funeral home. A brick and concrete building with large white columns in the front 
made it look more like a large house than a funeral home. The large parking lot and two black hearses sitting out front kind of spoiled that image, though. Debbie wished she had smoked a joint. Nathan and Debbie stood by the car as Nathan's father and Mrs. Calhoun greeted Mr. Marshall. Nathan's father was obviously continuing his discussion with Mr. Marshall about the financial arrangement for the purchase of the caskets and the actual funerals. Debbie watched Mr. Marshall as he stood with his arms crossed, head down, soaking it all in. Strange to see him in that sort of situation. It was like he was out of his element, being away from the school. She began to wonder if she had done the right thing. Hi, Debbie. Nathan, how are you? Asked Mr. Marshall as he approached them, having finished his conversation with Mr. Calhoun. He was smiling warmly. He was wearing gray slacks and a white button-down. Debbie, we're going to head back to the house. Mr. Marshall said he'd bring you and Nathan home. Mr. Calhoun stumbled on his words. Are you going to be okay? He put his hand on Debbie's shoulder. She nodded. Yes. She wasn't okay, though. This wasn't going to be fun. Mr. Marshall jumped back into the conversation as he put his arm around Debbie and led her toward the entrance of the funeral home. Nathan followed closely behind. Once inside, the eeriness of the bizarre situation began to sink even further into her. It was cold inside, and there was the immediate smell of fresh-cut flowers. It wasn't a pleasant smell, though. It was overwhelming to the point of being too much. Too much sweetness in a place that wasn't sweet. Immediately inside the door was a receptionist's desk where a 30-ish very fake blonde with way too much makeup on smiled with very bright red lips. There was a smudge of the lipstick on her top two front teeth. Good morning. May I help you, she said. We're here to see Mr. Williamson, said Mr. Marshall, as she glanced at the business card given to him by Nathan's father. One moment, please. Have a seat. Her fake smile seemed to be perpetual on her face. She picked up the phone and pressed a couple of buttons, then said something about clients. Debbie sat on a love seat surrounded by several bouquets of fresh flowers. Nathan and Mr. Miller remained standing. I'm sorry, said the receptionist. Your name, please? Mr. Marshall politely answered, Masterson, I believe we're expected. The client's name is Masterson, repeated the receptionist into the phone. Her smile never even seemed to lessen or get bigger. It was just there. He'll be right out to see you. No sooner had she finished her statement, Mr. Williamson was coming toward them. His heels clicked as he walked down the marble staircase that was off to the right of the receptionist's desk. Hello, he said in an I'm so sorry for your loss tone of voice. 
There was a slight tilt of the head, and his fingers were neatly interlocked in front of his stomach. Mr. Williamson, I'm Miller Masterson, a friend of Debbie's. This is Nathan. He extended his hand and shook. Nathan did the same thing. Williamson was 40-ish, very fit-looking, too. He was dressed in a blue pinstripe suit complete with vest. A jacket was open and exposed a gold watch and chain. His hair was short and slicked back with enough gel to give it a wet look. His cologne was strong. Debbie, what we're going to do today is make some decisions on caskets. I'm going to show you what your options are and help you decide. I've already talked to a Mr. Calhoun. He looked at Marshall to make sure he had gotten the name right. Yes, Marshall responded. That's Nathan's father. Well, these things are always so terribly difficult, said Williamson. They all noticed that his voice seemed a little too high in pitch to fit his body. The word fruity came to mind. He led them up the marble staircase, all the while trying to engage Debbie in conversation. She was polite, but would have no part of it. At the top of the stairs was a room with about a dozen or so caskets placed strategically from least expensive to the most expensive. The room was paneled in dark rosewood, and overhead rack lighting had lights placed over each of the caskets, giving all of them the kind of shine one might see on a new car as it sat on the showroom floor. Next to each casket was a pedestal with information about each specific model. Things like the type of material used to make the casket, the construction of the inside, and the way the casket is sealed are all explained. Names like Perpetual Slumber, Heavenly Rest, and Angelic Peace were proudly displayed next to the model they represented. Williamson first led Debbie to the middle of the room. Nathan and Mr. Marshall were close behind, their heads turning from side to side, taking in the strange sight like lost puppies. Debbie, these are our medium-priced models, said Mr. Williamson. His tone of voice was still that, I'm so sorry for your loss kind of voice. Funny, though. He never said those words. Might I recommend our Perpetual Bliss model? It's very popular, he continued. They just happened to be standing next to it. Debbie was really holding up well. She smiled and was being tough, even though her eyes were full of tears. Mr. Marshall put his arm around her. They both turned when a loud snort of a snot-filled nose like that of someone crying broke the bizarre silence of the strange room. It was Nathan. His eyes were blood red and several tears streaked his face. So much for being the stabilizing force for Debbie. That was all that was needed to set Debbie off too. She reached for Nathan and they hugged. Both were sobbing. Pain, like Debbie had never known before, flooded her innermost being. Mom and Dad were gone. Her sobs transitioned to crying hard. 
Debbie Honey, do you want to look at some of these or just pick two? Asked Mr. Marshall awkwardly. I don't care, she said in a whisper. Her crying had died back down to sobs. Nathan was still holding on to her tightly. Williamson produced a box of Kleenex seemingly from nowhere, and Nathan and Debbie both took several when he offered them. He soon was looking at Mr. Marshall to get things back on track. This was a road he had traveled often, and he seemed to expect what was happening. We could have two of the same or two different, if you like, said Williamson. The same, said Debbie. Honey, price is not an object here. The insurance has already got this paid for. If you want to look at something more expensive, said Mr. Marshall. He let his comments sort of trail off into silence when he noticed Debbie actually pondering the thought. This one's fine, she said, looking up from where her head was resting on Nathan's shoulder. Williamson had done a good job in pointing her in the right direction in his quirky little way. Very good. There's only a couple of more details, like pillow selection and lining, said Williamson. Please, no, whispered Debbie. Let me do that, Mr. Williamson, said Marshall. Very well, said Williamson. Then he came closer to Debbie and stood where she could see him from where her head was back on Nathan's shoulder. If y'all will follow me, now we can plan the service, and this part will be over with, okay? said Williamson. Debbie was surprised. This wasn't something she'd planned on doing. It was apparent she'd purposefully been kept in the dark about the second portion of her duties that day. No one wanted her to be agonizing over it. Her feelings about that little move were mixed as Nathan and Marshall both put their arms around her and led her to the rather spacious office just off the showroom floor. Mr. Williamson's decor matched his personality. Strange. Low lights from the same sort of track lighting that illuminated the caskets were directly above his very large cherrywood desk. The desk was cleared except for a file folder that sat atop a leather desk pad. Behind his tall back leather chair was a funny-looking telephone and a laptop with McDormand Brothers Funeral Home screensaver written in 3D black letters and having the consistency of concrete bounced randomly from corner to side on the screen. A female opera singer sang at a very low volume through speakers that couldn't be seen as Nathan and Marshall glanced around the cherrywood paneled room. Debbie caught herself gazing at the large painting of a lake that was under attack by a thunderstorm. The blues and grays created an even deeper mood of sorrow. She felt the tears welling up again. She made it through, though. It took all of them supporting each other. Music was picked. Words to be spoken were chosen. And that was it. The plan was in place for a ceremony that would mark the end and a beginning. 
Thank you for listening. Join us next time as we continue with Darkest Darker Dark. I'm Rodney Mathers. Goodbye for now.